This is the number one podcast in skateboarding, brought to you by the number one shoe in skateboarding. Oh my god! Wow! Oh my god! Vans. Off the wall since 1960, motherfucking six. D. Jones, as always, I got my main man, the ghost, with me, and we got Antoine behind the scenes. It's a cool thing. Bro, are the people ready for this week, man? Another big week, man. You you love <laughs> throwing out the term legend, but I gotta say, we've had a bunch of legends on so far this season. Man, it's not other than Donnie Barley, switch hard god in the building himself. Then we take in y'all straight to the post office. Y'all are crazy out there, but uh, thanks for for showing love every week. And then, shit, man, it's week six in the NFL. Let's go, man. What an episode. I think we talked about it last week, getting tricks named after yourself. Only few have done it in the skate game, and this man is one of them. So it's going to be a prime time interview this week. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at The Bunt Live. Subscribe to us on YouTube at The Bunt Live. Hit us up on our Patreon, patreon.com slash The Bunt, and then head over to TheBuntLive.com. Every episode logged for your listening pleasure. It's that time of the episode, my bro. Shout out of the week. What's it going to be? Oh, man. Easy shout out this week. I'm sure you won't be surprised. It's none other than Bunt alum Gilbert Crockett in Boom. denim car. Bro, what a part, man. He he can't stop, won't stop. It's almost funny now thinking back to uh, when he was on Mystery and Fallen. You know what I'm saying? That just feels like a lifetime ago at this point. He's been shredding back on the East Coast for time. And man, that back heel he did over that little block down the set was just a thing of beauty. He skates nothing but real-ass rugged street spots. Big shouts to Gilbert Crockett. You get me. Big shouts to Tom Morrison. Did some some work on that part as well. Good friend of the pod, the OG. Um, Gilbert, man, talking about mystery and fallen. One thing I am missing is his skit game from back in the day, man. Maybe the brains over at Quasi and the Bunt need to come together on a new Gilbert skit one day, bro. Oh, that would be epic. So only one thing left to do before we get into the interview, Ghost. What are we eating, man? I kept it relatively healthy last week with a margarita. But shit, I came back from my Vancouver vacation not having gained any weight somehow, eating like shit and drinking beers the whole time. So let me break it down again. It's that spicy pep god. It's that ginger ale. It's them chicken wings and a bodega sandwich. And let's throw some chocolate chip cookies on there because your boy is burning calories these days. <laughs> Maddie Madison, tell them what you get when you order Maker Pizza. This is literally the best pizza in the world. It's time to get into the interview. 
All right. Sometimes Seifa, you know, gives me a hard time because I throw this term around a little lightly. But I think this is a very fitting time for me to say we've got the legend, Donnie Barley, in the building tonight. Man, how's it going? And thank you for coming inside Studio E. Yeah, guys, going great over here. Thanks for having me. Stoked. Stoked to meet you guys. Stoked to chat. Yeah, Donald. Let's fucking go. Legend is definitely approved today. No issues on my end. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm, I'm getting better with it, man. Thanks, you guys. Hell yeah. Donnie, we start every show off the same. Hit us with your favorite skate moment and your favorite sports moment. Okay. Uh, my favorite skate moment? Ooh. Whew. Probably when I first started skating. Maybe like the first the first time I ollied or the first time I kickflipped or even the first time I dropped in. You know, just... Um, the innocence of, you know, mm -hmm. falling in love with skating and um, just feeling myself, um, you know, having a new passion and uh, a lot of that, a lot of those early days were the the coolest, you know, exploring and um, skating was so small back then, you know, and then I discovered a couple people in my town and stuff. But yeah, that, that those were the best moments. I think the the most precious. Um, yeah. My favorite sports moment. Wow. Um, my dad actually got me into the Boston Celtics when I was young. He was in the Navy, and uh, probably around my tenth birthday or so, he was on this big boat, and uh, the Celtics I think were playing the Lakers, oh. going back and forth in the playoffs. And my dad invited me onto this big ship that he was on, so I got to watch the playoffs on one of my dad's ships surrounded by all these navy dudes Damn. and it was it was super rad and everybody um you were allowed to smoke wherever you wanted back then so i was in this like smoke filled <laughs> boat in this big room where they this big cafeteria room and um i just remember the whole the whole place erupted because larry bird was was just um draining from wherever he wanted and um it was super rad, just the energy in the room. And I was probably only like nine or 10. Um, that was a precious, precious moment right there. Hell yeah. That's a good one, man. I like that. <laughs> who, do you remember who won that series? Good question, man. I don't. I don't remember. I know, you know, the rivalry has been going on forever. And, um, and it lasted for a few years after that. I got to go see one of the games live. And my dad bought me this foamy... Yeah, like two foot tall Celtics green foamy glove and it had all the championship years what? written on it on one side and then on the other side it said you know Boston Celtics with the Celtics logo and I had that thing on my wall all the way up until I graduated high school I, I wish I don't know what happened to that damn thing but I would love to have that thing still um, but I, it's long gone <laughs> yeah well Steph Curry saw to it that it didn't say 2022 on there yeah oh my god have some respect dude <laughs> yeah yeah I, i'm hyped you know was, wish we could have gotten over to seven games but um yeah young team you know great excited young team. for the great future. young team man yeah your yeah. guys windows still wide open that's why i don't feel bad uh steph curry's windows closing way sooner so i was happy to see what? him get one on the way out yeah, and for me, for me, loving the game, like I, I just love the game. Obviously, I want my team to win, but um, I really like Steph Curry too. I'm a big fan, 
um, like to see him win, you know, so it was like a painful, painful L, but it wasn't like, uh, could have been a ton worse if, but, you know, just cause I love Steph and, and I, I've grown to love Draymond Green too, believe it or not. I, I've been listening <laughs> to his podcast and, um, you know, he's a pain in the butt on the court, but his podcast is pretty fresh. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I dig it. You know, yeah, that's what's up. I listen to day days pod too, man. Back to skating, though. Take us back to the beginning. Where'd you grow up and how'd you get into skating? I grew up in a small Navy town in southeastern Connecticut. It's called Groton, Connecticut. And um, I used to kick it with this dude named Mike. He he had a BMX bike. I had a BMX bike. You know, all the kids in the neighborhood had bikes and we'd make jumps and stuff. But Mike had like an aunt that was... And she just had like... She was like a hippie, kind of. But she had this... Uh, this wooden skateboard with with soft urethane wheels and um she'd be like riding it out in front and we always tried to take off on her board and ride it and she never she hated us taking her board <laughs> but it was really it was really rad she had like these softy wheels on there um and it was uh that was like probably eight or nine years old so it's funny how you know randomly got inspired by like this woman that was probably like 20 in her early 20s my my friend's aunt but i had a um i found a banana board in someone's trash and rode that around and then um that guy mike uh we made skateboards out of some plywood and his grandfather showed us how to cut them out and we put roller skate wheels on them they were horrible damn you know? but yeah and then i went somebody stole my bmx bike and i um went to the skate shop to i went to the bike shop um, to check out the bikes I was saving up for a new one and they had all these new wide skateboards in there and I was like oh man hmm. and um I just went home and kept saving my money and um and then I finally went to the uh to the bike shop and got my first skateboard it was a sims kamikaze and the guy working behind the sh the, the counter um talked me into getting these gullwing trucks and these sim street wheels and and um the rails and the nose guard and the tail guard and everything else and um i was out the door man and I, that that thing was under my arm every day every so, day for yeah that's how it started for me that kind of set you up good too yeah yeah i was hyped man it was the sims kamikaze board and um i had saw krishna soy on tv skating a vert ramp and i i saw that rising sun board and i oh. kind of associated that sims comic I, I sort of thought i was buying like a soy board i think at the time <laughs> but it was like the next best thing i guess you know for sure your bike getting stolen was like a blessing in disguise in the end yeah yeah this kid named jerry taylor he stole my bike. Oh shit! You know <laughs> it was too. Shout out Jerry. <laughs> like, God bless that Kept guy. Kept the receipts, yeah. man. The skate world thanks <laughs> you <know>? Jerry. <laughs> For real. Hey, you blessed him. Uh, you got him back, or you blessed him with the bike? I just, I never really knew for sure, you know. But he had like a rep for, for that kind of stuff, and um, yeah, I remember we went over his house and we snuck around his backyard and we were looking in his shed and stuff and. Um, <laughs> you know trying to find the frame we heard he stole he sold the tires and kept the frame we heard <laughs> all sorts of little stories Some real kid shit man yeah you did your investigating so donnie what would you consider to be your first big break in the skate industry i had a couple little small breaks out on the east coast that that gave me the confidence and the faith you know to um to keep going and you know maybe 
maybe go out to the West Coast. One of them was I was I was skating this skate park up in Maine called Rats, and um, this dude named Tom owned it, and uh, he had a little brand called Who Skates, so he sponsored me, and um, and I was there one night, and Buster Halterman came through with uh, a couple of his friends. And um, he gave me some going trucks and told me, you know, hey, do you want to skate for going? And um, and I was blown away. And then his friend was the director at Woodward. So within one night, I got some free trucks and possibly a connection with going trucks. And then his friend said, hey, you can come to Woodward whenever you want. I'll give you a job. Sick. So that was incredible. At the time, I was in high school. And then um, I started going to college after high school and um, I ended up going to Woodward and I worked there. I was supposed to just go for a week and I was supposed to wash dishes for a week and somebody got caught smoking a cigarette. So they got kicked out of camp <laughs> and they were like, well, hey, we need a new counselor. Can you, can you step in and be a counselor? And I was like, yeah, sure. And then at the end of the week, I thought I was going home and they were like, man, we need a counselor next week. Can you stay? And um, dude, that happened every Every weekend, they, I, I stayed at Woodward for 12 weeks straight. Oh, damn. Yeah. It, it was like a Forrest Gump moment, you know. I, my whole career was like a Forrest Gump moment. Right place, right time. And um, while I was at Woodward, I met a lot of people, a lot of other pros, you know. Made some sure. connections, got some phone numbers, and uh, that led to bigger opportunities. I ended up moving to San Diego, and I had a lot of connections from people I met at Woodward. Yeah. Crazy. What was it like growing up with the legend Brian Anderson skating with him and kind of having each other to feed off each other and push yourselves, man? BA. Ah. This is a great question, man. I could I could tell you guys, you know, I could go on for a long time. You guys could just tell me when to stop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I'll tell you how I met Brian. I saw him at a carnival on the Navy base and I seen somebody walk by with the little blonde hair coming down like the Tony Hawk haircut, you know? Yeah. And, um, and I just like, it was like, whoa, I saw somebody just like me, you know what I mean? And I, there wasn't too many skaters back then. Yeah. So like I, I stalked him at the carnival, man. I, <laughs> I, I snuck up on him. I was looking at his sneakers to see if I could see he had an ollie hole. Yeah. He had a big old ollie hole. <laughs> I was like, what? You know, like it was just skating was so small back then and we were mm -hmm. so young. And then uh, like a couple of days later, my friend Jason had a, um, a big half pipe at his house and I was skating with my friend Jason and uh, out of the woods, these two skaters come out of the woods with helmets on and their knee pads strapped around their ankles. <laughs> and it was Brian Anderson and his friend Joe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and they just like showed up and like waved and we just waved back and then we just said yeah get you know get let's go let's skate you know <laughs> and um brian hopped on the ramp and like dude he learned like 15 tricks like in a two-hour session or something he learned how to drop in he learned how to grind he learned how to do fakie rocks and feebles and it was just like my my buddy jason and i were just like whoa and so we made friends with them and um he, he said he had a bunch of little lawn tramps and rail slide bars at his house so i think like the next weekend we went on the other side of town which seemed like china you know? <laughs> and yeah, it um, does. we went and skated with him and uh 
and just built this bond, you know. And um, me and Jason and Brian, we started this uh, this little team. We we found these these stickers on these dump dumpsters. It said nine one one emergency stickers. So we started this little team called Team Nine One One, and it was uh, me and Brian and Jason, and then my friend Paul. And um, yeah, we used to spray paint not Team Nine One One on everything. Um, all our boards, all our helmets, and like it was dope. Um, and Brian was um, Brian was like into the culture, and he was into you know the music, and he had a creative edge since the day I met him. You know, I was more of an athlete. I was playing soccer. I loved soccer. That was like my first love. Mm -hmm. um, I was into like martial arts and wrestling and uh brian so like for me you know it was cool because every single friend i had i had like five skate friends and my friend judd was super into hip-hop brian was into art and like dyeing his hair and he had older sisters that were connecting him to punk rock music and records and like and he skated really really like loose trucks and super creative we'd watch skate videos and i liked you know lance mountain and Brian liked um, Justin Gerard, you know, Ed Templeton, you know, it was mm -hmm. like we mm -hmm. all sort of gravitated toward different, like we all had our own identities. Um, so I think it was just a real big blessing to sort of be around a diverse crowd and we all like different things, but we all sort of ate at the same dinner table. So I was able to like kind of get a pretty rad cultural experience from like my early group of friends in that Team 911 group that I was talking about. The local squad, man. Love that. Yeah. Every little group of kids has their own little skate clique and the names, man, they never age the greatest, you know? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. We had, um, we had it going on and we were from, uh, you know, Southeastern Connecticut. So we would wait for the magazines to come, wait for the videos to drop. We'd go to the bike shop. It wasn't even a skate shop. It was a bike shop, you know? So it's like, we weren't really even supposed to none of us were supposed to be what we are, you know? It was mm -hmm. just, um, there was a couple older kids that kind of helped shape us. They had cars, so we could go venture into different cities eventually. Brian used to hang out with this dude named Steve Mache, and, um, you know, he went this way, and he was kind of evolving more as a street skater, and I was, like, going to the skate parks with this other older dude, and we were learning how to skate vert ramps, and, and but we'd always, you know, we'd always connect at... Um, in our hometown and um yeah i mean i could talk about brian forever my sister used to hang out with one of his older sisters too so it was always dope that my sister was always going over there so i got a free ride to go <laughs> skate with brian i used to hand hand my old boards down to him we would trade trucks he man you know he was he was a couple years younger than me but he was always taller than me and i remember he <laughs> turned 11 and he had a size 11 foot then he turned Holy. 12 and we were like dang are you are you wearing a size 12 yet and he just <laughs> it's like every year he got older and then he's like 13 and then when he turned 14 his foot stopped growing he was he was yeah, like i'd hope 13 so and a half. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> whatever some old, old stuff that people might laugh about anyway that's perfect man ba the fucking legend nicest guy yeah. in the business man yes indeed um, so you mentioned him a little bit before, but what's the story behind Christian Soy writing your checkout on a napkin? 
Oh man, there's like another like Forrest Gump kind of moment. I moved to San Diego and I was just skating. I was supposed to, I graduated college, got my associate's degree and I had my resume. I was, you know, mom, dad, I'm going to San Diego. I'm going to get a job in my field, you know, and, and you got, you guys know what I went to California for. You know, <laughs> my parents kind of knew what I was going to California for too, but like I sort of printed out those resumes just to, um, you know, kind of not break their hearts, you know, <laughs> but I got out there and, um, and I, um, I went to a few skate contests. I was supposed to be looking for a job, you know, didn't do that. Had a couple bucks saved up. And then I ended up getting sponsored by some clothing company called Bald Clothing. They were like, we're going to Japan in like two weeks. Get a passport. I was like, what? I just moved to Cali. I've been here for like a month. I met Canton Russell, Oscar Jordan, all these dudes in San Diego. Next thing you know, I'm on an airplane. Oh, I'm sitting sad. down. I'm like, I can't believe I'm going to Japan right now. Jeez. And down the aisle of the airplane, I look up and Tony Alva's walking right toward me. Wow. wow. And I'm like, that's Tony Alva. And then Tony Alva passes me by and there's Christian Asoy. Then, then Eddie Radigi. Then, you know, Dave Duncan. And it was just like, and then Dan Rogers. It was just like this, it just didn't feel real. You know what I mean? So we get off the plane in Japan and I see them and I'm like sort of stalking them kind of behind the scenes. Like, I don't even know these dudes. And they like turned around and they're like, get over here, you know? And, um, <laughs> and I just made friends with them all. And we, we traveled around Japan for like, I don't know, two weeks. And um, man, I, I, you know, it was just this incredible experience to do all these demos with these OGs, you know? And no one knew anything about me. I, you know, I was just like, there's nobody from Connecticut, but I was really a technical skater back then, you know? So, you know, I'm doing switch 360 flips and things like that. And I think, um, you know, Christian was kind of like, oh, you know, he asked me to skate for his company and all that stuff. And um, damn, yeah. And I ended up asking him, once I shot a photo with Grant, he's like, hey, we're going to do this checkout. And then I asked Christian if he could write that for me. And um, I was probably in California for about six or eight months by the time that they came in the magazine. So, yeah, Christian was awesome to be around. I, I really, like, held him. You know, I still hold him so high as a as a brother, as a just someone, you know, who pioneered skateboarding. No doubt. Yeah, I had po I had posters of him on my wall my whole childhood, you know. It, it was it was incredible, you know what I mean? Yeah. So whatever happened with those resumes, man? <laughs> I might still have them buried in a bin somewhere. Yeah. yeah. When you finally got home, you got to show your your parents the checkout, man, and I think you got the pass after that. Not quite. Not quite. Oh. I, I I don't think I I won my parents over until I started getting paid, you know. Yeah. And then I, I, I went pro and then I started designing like a sneaker shortly after that. And some of those sneaker checks that came in, my my dad was like kind of managing my money. And he's like, damn, you just made more than I've made in three months than I've ever, you know, than I've ever made in uh, in a full year. You know, Crazy. And, um, and my parents were just kind of like, do your thing, kid. You know, um, <laughs> <laughs> it was cool. That's what's up. I'm walking here. I'm walking here. 
Up yours, you son of a bitch. You don't talk to me that way. Don't worry about that. Actually, that ain't a bad way to pick up insurance, you know? That quote from the 1969 classic Midnight Cowboy was brought to you by CHPO Brand. Always doing it for the people. Can you take us back to the Welcome to Hell days? One of the most classic skate videos of all time. What was that era like for you? Just kicking it with that squad, working on that masterpiece. Man, it was uh, it was incredible. It was um, just really cool to, you know, have a, a busy schedule and to just have the opportunities to travel and be around incredible skaters. And I was actually making a few bucks, so eating wasn't so challenging as it as it was couple years prior to that because I was struggling pretty hard for for a while trying to turn that corner um but yeah man being around Jamie Thomas um who who was a very energetic um organized ambitious just go-getter you know and then you got Ed Templeton who was like a mellow savage skater can just super creative always has a camera with them always has a notebook and art and pens and a whole backpack full of creative stuff and another separate bag with vegan treats in it (laughs) (laughs) and then you know back then it was like Alyssa and Muska and Maldonado (sighs) and um Sattva and everybody everybody had their own flavor everybody had their own musical tastes and everybody had like this excitement you know here we are we have this chance we have this opportunity so the energy just was um always exciting you know we were we was just every single day was an adventure and we were we were going places we'd never been and um you know we were eating for free and skating just the most incredible spots and because jamie was driving if somebody met us at the skate park and said there's a ramp down the street we would go if somebody said there's a pool or whatever, you know, I love that Jamie was also kind of like crazy too. Like he, you know, we'd be at a, in a position where we would, you know, have to jump a fence or climb on a roof or, you know, he never, never shied away from just being, having that street, that street inside of him, you know, like we're doing it and we're getting mm-hmm. it done and we're going to be stealth about it and we're going to stay ahead of the law and, you know ducking and moving and staying staying ahead of getting busted doing something you know we did it you know we cut the chains and broke the locks and snuck in and even even the firework wars that we'd have on tour too we'd stop in the middle of some cornfield and just just light up we'd bag hundred dollars each of fireworks and just have roman candle wars in somebody's random cornfield in the middle of kansas you know everybody you know getting burnt and singed and and we'd just get in and we'd be sweating and we'd get back in the van and it's midnight and we're just driving for another two hours with the windows open and some classic rock playing and just like bro it was it was time, man. a dream you know what i mean and and the clips you know that we were getting and everybody was stepping their game up you know it's like the energy was so real that it just helped you elevate your skating. Everything you were doing was was beyond your your reach, but you know because of the moment and the car and the energy and everybody being there, you um, you took the risk and you went for it. And 
you know i i don't know it was it was unbelievable you know dude those uh firework fights used to be a mainstay in trip tour videos man there would always be some fireworks someone hanging out of a van shooting them yeah like you said in the cornfields you guys were crazy with that shit yeah yeah it was wild jamie and ed like just point blank ed with these big (laughs) thick goggles on his head you know (laughs) yeah it was it was a trip yeah so take us behind the scenes on your ender and welcome to hell the double barley grind man yeah, man. Um, I was uh, living on Ed Templeton's floor. Shout out to Ed and Deanna. Thank you so much for that. Those were those were humbling times, you know. But they, uh, yeah, man, they opened up their home to me. I I, I lived in their living room floor for for weeks on end. Um, wow, it was a trip. Yeah, but the Huntington Beach skate park was a block away, and uh, Huntington High School right there. And um, if you know what that Huntington little Huntington skate park looked like it had like a long flat bar and then it had another kinked rail um and everybody skated there man um any day you'd see Ronnie Krager Muska Tom Penny Jeff Rowley um you know it was just a hub so again you know you're just you're just skating with unbelievable people learning tricks and uh I was really good at switch ollies and switch 180s or better than I, I could do them better than half cabs um and i would smith grind that rail all the time and everybody was trying to do innovative tricks on that flat bar tom was tom penny was doing switch backside lip slides on on it and um Oof. yeah muska was doing a bunch of different blunt tricks and ed could just destroy that flat bar um everything anytime he wanted unreal and um anyway i um yeah i started to to try to switch 180 into a Smith grind. And then I started to do that trick regularly, switch 180 to Smith. And then I tried it the other way. I just wanted to see what would happen. And it took a while to figure out how to stand on top of the switch Smith, kind of figured it out, how to how to tweak my back foot to kind of push it along. And um, once I started to figure that out, I, I started doing it consistently. And then, um, I just, we went down to San Diego to stay with Jamie. I think Ed and Deanna had had enough of me. And uh, (laughs) Jamie had a place in Pacific Beach right there. Um, And it was cool, man. He had like an extra room and pillows and blankets. And, uh, you know, what a dream, dude. Like I'd go down there and stay and we would film every day and skate for like eight to 10 hours. And um, it was heaven, you know, just heaven. But I ended up opening my big mouth and I told Jamie that I wanted to do front 180, switch 180 Smith, front and then front 180 switch Smith uh, on those double eight rails. And I remember as soon as it came out of my mouth, I was like, shoot, you know, <laughs> I, I shouldn't have said that. He's going to you know? hold you to it. Yeah. You know, Jamie just um, wanted, you know, he wanted you to, you know, he w- he was really pushing himself. You know, if you were there back then, you'd have saw him. You know, grinding bigger, big and crazy rails that were just unbelievable. Like stuff you'd drive by and be like, you know, someday somebody's gonna do that, and then the next day, it's Jamie doing it. You know, um, <laughs> it was it was tr- it was crazy. But yeah, sure enough, man, we're skating the double eights, and um, I just was like, you know what, I'm gonna try to switch my eighty to Smith in this, into this first rail. And, you know, it probably took me 15, 20 minutes just to sort of, you know, get the courage to really commit to locking in. And then as soon as as soon as I locked into one Smith, I was doing it every time. And I, I probably did the Switch 180 Smith 
you know, four or five times. And, and every time I was about to do the next one, you know, I just didn't have it, you know, but I didn't, I didn't give up. Jamie was obviously there like, come on, you know, and then man, I, I locked into one and, and I just, I just ground down the whole thing and I landed it the best, Perfect. better than I had imagined, you know? And, um, I remember ro- rolling away and just being like, I can't even believe that I just did that. You know, I love to be creative as a skater. I think everybody as skaters and being like a skate nerd, I'd studied skateboarding so much and every little detail. I really wanted to try and take my skating in directions, even though they might be small, you know. I just wanted to try to always do that, you know, somehow, some way that's been like sort of inside of me. And that was like the first time where I proved it to myself, like, okay, you know, if I if I dream about and I had visualized it so much um, mm-hmm. before, you know, I uh, I I think that helps a lot for skaters is to to really meditate on things like that and um, and it came true and and I took that sort of framework and used it in my career later doing different tricks, you know, so that was a pretty monumental monumental sort of uh, like mile marker, you know. Oh mm-hmm. hell yeah. Dude, that was yeah iconic clip. The way it was edited too is so perfect, filmed amazing. But I remember when I first watched that part, it was like early, early days of me skating. I didn't even know what the tricks were called. Yeah, like I was just like, oh, what the hell's going on right now? <laughs> <laughs> but it's sick because I love mirrors to this day. So that was like an early, like classic mirror line. Yeah, thank you. Respect on that one. Thank you. Shortly after, though, you ended up leaving Toy Machine. What was behind that decision? I was just kind of tangled up because Jamie was leaving to do Zero and Muska was leaving to do Shorties. And I was watching these two friends that I was close with, um, you know, take these leaps to go be involved with a new program to do, you know, a new thing. And Element was just you know, something that I was around because I was friends with Dan Wolf and Tim O'Connor and Reese Forbes and they were already on Element and they, I was sort of like intermingling with them a bunch during that era, filming quite a bit with Dan Wolf. And, um, you know, Dan asked me to skate for Element and it was right around that time when those guys were leaving Toy Machine and um, he just wrote me this letter and, you know, um, just said, hey man, we, you know, we're going to do this and you know we can just film as much as you want and and i just at that point like i knew that whatever whatever decisions i made or wherever i went or wherever i stayed or whatever like wherever i whatever i'm doing there has to be a filmer around it was just it's just <laughs> it's what i learned from going through the welcome to hell experience you know mm-hmm. so and I, I knew how good Dan could film. So I was just like, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with Toy Machine. Who's going to be the filmer? What's going to happen? You know what I mean? So I didn't really want to leave, but I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to be assured. And, and I, I was like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this chance, you know? So it wasn't like a money decision. It wasn't um, anything like that. It was just you know what, those guys are going to take a leap. And I got inspired by that and encouraged by it. So I took my own leap and I, I went with Element. And, and it was just a blessing that people were already there that I loved and that I fit in with. Yeah, they had they had a dope squad already. 
Yeah, and they they were they were telling me too, like, hey, we're gonna you know recruit more people, and you know we're all gonna have a say, and we're gonna make clothing, and you know we're gonna travel the world, and um, you know it was really, really not possible for me to say no, you know. Yeah, it's crazy. All those board brands you mentioned when people were splitting off and shit, like as we know, brands come and go like real quick. You know, for every I don't know hundred board brands that people try and start like only one's gonna last a decade plus but all those ones are still around to this day except i'm not sure about shorties but it's pretty impressive from the uh from the toy machine tree what everyone else was able to accomplish afterwards Mm -hmm. yeah yeah definitely after element there was a quick stint with birdhouse and then you landed on zoo york what was that little time frame like man what was going on at birdhouse birdhouse i left element element got bought by like billabong and i remember yeah you know i just i don't know i just was like man this is crazy i was kind of like i don't know maybe getting a little bit burnt out and um anyway i i ended up just leaving element you know i was becoming sort of a little bit dysfunctional around that time you know the partying was starting Mm. to to kick in a little heavy and um i ended up leaving element i was without a board sponsor for maybe six months or so just trying to figure out like what am i going to do i ended up riding for quicksilver tony hawk was riding for quicksilver too and then my friend mark oblo set up a meeting and he's like hey um i'm going to set up a meeting with you and tony hawk man like maybe you should get on birdhouse and then I just met up with Tony Hawk. We sat at this picnic table and I'm like sitting across from Tony Hawk. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. I'm like, whoa, man, is this real? Another, another sort of, um, you know, trippy moment. I had crossed paths with him in the past, you know, like seen him walking by and stuff. But, you know, dude, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm just a little kid about skating. Like I just, you know, you see these people. I had posters of the dude, you know what I mean? I remember my grandmother showed me this like time magazine and he was 16 and i'm looking at you know tony hawk as as 16 i'm like 12 10 at the time you know so like you know i just um yeah i I was just in awe at this picnic table he's like yeah dude you should skate for me man we're gonna go on this tour we're gonna do this gigantic skate park tour and it was the coolest mellowest normal conversation inside my brain there was a lot of other cuckoo stuff going on because I was fanning out pretty hard. But yeah, what a dope dude, man. Like he just was like, dude, I'll take you all these places. It's going to be fresh. We're going to have fun. And I was just like, boom, I just put my hand out. Let's go. And we shook on it. <laughs> and and then and we were off and running. You know what I mean? And um, and he was, he, you know, and he did everything he said he was going to do. And I went everywhere. And it was fresh dude and he had right around when that happened he had one of those what was it that first before the iphone came out that sidekick phone that had oh, a yeah. flip screen on it it would spin yeah he had that thing like dude he had like the first prototype of that thing <laughs> and he would sit on the tour bus and just be texting everybody and flipping it over and it was like it was like he was the only person on the planet that had the new spaceship or something <laughs> And we'd be sitting next to him, kind of like looking over his shoulder, like, damn, that's crazy. Like, I don't know anybody that has one. And he was just running game on that little thing. I don't know. I'm just 
sort of remembering like how much we were tripping out on how he had this new piece of technology. Oh, it was hilarious. Anyway, but then, yeah, sure enough, I was, I forget really how it happened, but I knew secretly that Sal Barbier was going to kind of take his aesthetics crew over to New York. Somehow the phone rang. I talked to a few people. Next thing you know, I'm talking to Sal Barbier and he's like, yeah, dude, you know, you can come with us, you know? And I was like, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) And I was saving up my money because I wanted to buy a property back on the East Coast. And I was, you know, trying to like, my dad was like, look, you gotta, you gotta invest, you know? And, and I just was like, at the time, on the personal note, you know, I was I was definitely like, you know, falling deeper into the partying thing and like, I don't know, time for maybe some change. And you know what, I just made a decision and I was like, you know what, I'm out of here. And, um, you know, it felt a little weird. I went into Birdhouse and I told that dude, Pierre, like, dude, and it was only, I was only on Birdhouse for like a year. Um, but I just wanted to go home. You know, I just wanted to go back to the East Coast and I just and and those dudes were super dope. And I was like, I'm just going to go do this. And I did. Again, it was, um, you know, a questionable decision to some people, you know, but like I was just, I was like, I'm doing me. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm going home. Yeah. That's what's up. And you you bought a spot for the move? I didn't, dude. Oh. I tried to, but. You know, something got in the way. I think we got outbid on this property. I just kept saving my money, and I think I started a retirement IRA thing, and um, I ended up buying a house probably about six or seven years later, which ended up being a blessing. There you go. So what's the drama behind the infamous Quicksilver sticker in your New York ad, man? (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, that was crazy. So in my contract, yeah, so I left Birdhouse, and... I was I was going to ride for Zoo York, right? So everything was all good. They um they just said as long as you have a Quicksilver sticker on cuz Zoo York was making clothing. So there was like a little bit of a of a conflict I think with some people, but they were okay as long as I had a Quicksilver sticker on my board. And um so I shot an ad in New Haven, Connecticut. And I had the Quicksilver sticker on my board. And I'm pretty sure that the Zoo York dudes photoshopped out the Quicksilver sticker. And the ad came out. And then I had to... Then I went on a Zoo York tour. And I'm like somewhere in like Texas or something. And the phone rings and it's these dudes telling me that I'm getting kicked off of Quicksilver. Yeah, I was... um, I was definitely tripping and, you know, I didn't really have like the capacity to handle that at that point. I remember mm-hmm. we were we were on a New York tour and I, I totally like had like not a breakdown, but I, I definitely like was pacing around the tour bus like bugging, you know, like I couldn't handle like I was struggling to handle, you know, I just took it so personal, you know, I was like, whoa, you know. Yeah, it just at that point, you know, think think about where I was at that era, you know, I'm my ego's humongous, you know. I'm pretty much the most selfish and self-centered person at that point. Like I had no idea I was, right? Like yeah, just 
you know, at that point I was, you know, I was living this, um, this like rock star life. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was like, it was like, uh, you know, the same as getting like broken up, like your girlfriend breaks up with you or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can laugh about it now. I mean, it's kind of hilarious, <laughs> but I definitely will be honest and say, man, I, I could barely handle that at that time. I was devastated. And, um, I think that's what ended up happening with the property that I wanted to buy actually. That's that is what happened is I was I was trying to trying to buy a property and um once I knew that I wasn't going to be earning that quicksilver money anymore, I I backed out of that that real estate deal. And I remember, but it ended up it all ended up being a blessing, but I was I was pissed for a while. That's just where I was at at that point. Silly silly stuff, dude, to no, to, but- to reflect <laughs> but, but rightfully so for you to be angry did you ever get to the bottom of it like was it someone at zoo york that did it or did you did you just not have a sticker on your board i never even got to the bottom of it i don't think yeah i i don't know maybe maybe it was i i think i had a sticker on my board and and i i think they photoshopped it that that's my memory but i could be wrong and if it you know like this is like where I was at as a human back then, because I said selfish and self-centered, you know. That's mm. pretty stone cold that they would just kick you off, though. But it, like, I don't know, tough spot for New York to be in too. Like they're starting a clothing company, they don't want the Quicksilver sticker on. You need the Quicksilver sticker on there. It's a tricky situation, man. Yeah, yeah. I don't really know who's to blame, and and it quite possibly could be me. Maybe it was me that forgot, but to put the sticker on but I, I i do to this day believe that i had that sticker there dang but yeah and i i i think i remember being kind of pissed at zoo for a while but like i was like almost more pissed at quicksilver yeah i just thought i was like so concreted in with that like crew you know yeah but anyway yeah that's a bummer man that quicksilver money must have been nice especially back in the heyday yeah. On to some more positive shit. Santa Monica triple, man. You do the ollie, and then you do the 180. And then the next logical trick has to be switch hard flip, right? <laughs> like, th- Tell us a little bit more about the switch hard flip Santa Monica, man. That is, that's insane. The, the ollie and the 180 were years previous. You know, my skating had like evolved a bunch between those early years on Toy Machine. And, um... I was living with, I had just moved in to a new apartment in Santa Monica and my roommate, I was moved, I moved in with this, well, you know, his name's Eric Dressen. He's one of my favorite skaters. So he had an apartment, he had a room for rent. I moved in and I had just gotten on Element and they had, hey, we need you to shoot your ad. What are you going to do for your ad? And I was doing those switch hard flips all over the place, like when I was skating, you know, I was getting to learn the rhythm of the trick and and I had pretty much gotten it down pat and um, was doing it a lot. And I wanted, and I had done it down a few like drops and I knew if, if, if I could just pop it and have it stick to my feet that there's a chance I could I could do it down something big and I knew that I needed to do, you know, I'm gonna do this down the biggest thing that I can think of. And that was the triple set. And it, it just sort of happened. We were skating the triple set. It was like me, Kenny Hughes, Atiba, Scott Johnston, Reese Forbes. We were just all skating Santa Monica one day. And we were all ollieing it. And Kenny, I think, back 180'd it. 
And I was like, dang, I'm gonna try to switch hard flip this thing. And I just sort of said it out loud as I was walking up the stairs. And Kenny's like, hey, 100 bucks if you do it first try. Damn. And then um, Scott Johnson's like, I got him on that too, 100 bucks. And then Atiba's like, 100 bucks. And everybody there just kept adding an extra 100, adding an extra 100. So it was like, there was like 600 bucks on the line or something if I did it first try. (laughs) And I was just like, all right, like, whatever. So I just went at it and I flipped it, I caught it and I put it all the way down and I freaking stepped off. And um, it was crazy. (laughs) I never would really, I was never really like, I don't know. I was never the first try guy. But yeah, it was cool, man. I, I, I couldn't believe it. I stepped right off and I was like, holy, sh-, you know, and I grabbed my board and I freaking ran as fast as I could <laughs> back up to the top. And I tried it again. And dude, I probably tried it another 20 or 25 times and I just kept kicking it away. And then finally I was like, just, I give up, you know, and, uh, and, um, man. But, um, you know, everybody's like, dude, you got to come back. You got to come back. You got to come back, you know? <laughs> so we went back like the next weekend and, um, yeah, I got one. And Atiba shot the sequence and, um, it was cool, man. He, I was, he's like, and then he called me that night or the next day or something. And he's like, Hey, I know you're going to use that for your ad or whatever, but like, man, Grant said we could put it on the cover, you know? Ooh, and yeah. I was like, yep, you can put it on the cover. Oh, you know? yeah. Um, and uh it was it was a quick it was a quick exciting conversation and i was definitely tripping and then um that was it that was and then i i was riding for element for what three four years and i never ever got an element ad oh yeah it was funny because they kept hassling me when are you going to get your ad when are you going to get your ad and um i just for some reason we traveled everywhere but we never, we never, I never ended up having an element ad, believe it or not. Wow. Well, I think the switch hard flip went to the right place. I don't think yeah. I yeah. changed that for <laughs> an ad <laughs> looking back. Bro, that was another one just pushing skateboarding forward, man. I don't think uh, switch hard flips down triples were too common back then. Again, I think, like I was saying before with the switch 180 Smith and the front 180 Smith, I think that understanding and hearing the feedback after doing that and watching Jamie Thomas do these big things and Muska do these big things, I just sort of understood that, like, you know, sometimes it's like if you're going to do something, you know, you may as well, like, try and shut a spot down or, or you know, do it in a, do it either a specific way or at a specific place or, I don't know. That's what everybody back then was kind of doing. I mean, look at Jeff Rowley's career. You know, or <sighs> Keith Kirchart, you know, yeah. those guys were were all doing colossal stuff. That, that's that's where skating was at that point, you know. But only a few got a trick named after them, man. So, yeah. fucking, you did it right, man. Fucking so sick. How, how does that make you feel all these years later that still a barley grind? I'm stoked on it, you know. It's super cool. I, you know, I'm on Instagram. I'm not like the biggest Instagram person, but people tag me all the time when they're doing, even kids in, kids in different countries, kids in um, middle of Indiana, wherever yeah. they're at, they, they tag me and um, 
it's just dope to just you know give love to all these people that are doing it and um it's people are doing other stuff too somebody was doing front 180 switch smith to switch back tail over a rail and then you know like people are taking it into um somebody tagged me the other day they did a front side 180 kickflip to switch smith grind on a rail damn that was sick like a kickflip barley grind or something what the hell people are still you know trying to move the needle and and take skateboarding obviously you know it's crazy what what the kids are doing for sure so yeah present times you're getting tagged you know barley grind lives on but what's a day in the life like for you these days a day in the life for me right now we're just getting the kids back to school so just get up at six i have three daughters they're all going to different schools so it's kind of a trip like my middle daughter's carpooling with her friends she's 11 so she's going one way my oldest daughter she leaves at about five after seven and I'm taking her to school. I get home and then my wife or I will take my my six-year-old to school. And then once the kids are at school, usually go to the gym with my wife or, you know, not every day, but um, she's a real estate agent. So she works from home and I work for Element. So I'm in sales. I sell to all the um, East Coast shops. and um, And so I'll just get on my computer and call some of my accounts and she'll be doing her um, real estate stuff and uh, the kids get out of school around two o'clock and you know I'm going to to pick up the kids one way like it's 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 a tornado you know? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, usually the kids get home from school and you know they'll they'll go outside or get on their devices or whatever whatever it is one of us my wife or I will start dinner around five o'clock and usually sit down and help the kids with their homework and um, usually try to get everybody brushing their teeth around eight o'clock and try to get the kids to bed by like 8 30 and then usually by then I'm pretty cooked man my wife's cooked <laughs> yeah you know we usually just watch watch Netflix or you know she's on She's on her computer doing real estate, sometimes working. Yeah, it's, uh, but the weekends are dope, you know, and sometimes during the week I'll go skate. Weekends I usually meet up with the bros for a few hours, go skate. Um, something's going on during the week and the bros are getting together. Um, we got a bunch of little DIY kind of things brewing here. So, you know, sometimes it's like instead of skating, I'm like helping to build something mm-hmm. or, you know, we're draining a pool or, whatever there's events happening like i'm involved with all these different communities out here where you know if they're doing fundraisers to raise money for the park or if there's um skate camps happening i don't there's just uh, you know skating is still like the center of like my universe in a lot of ways but like not in front of my family you know what I mean? so <laughs> yeah there's that for oh, sure love that man that's awesome so with a day that busy, man, how are you finding time to get the side project under Achievers going? Oh man, just having the blessing of like being a salesman and working from home and um, just, you know, carving out little pockets of time. Like I said, my partner is uh, Reese Forbes and my other partner is Dan Wolf. Dan Wolf has a whole archive of all the raw footage that we filmed. For underachievers, he he basically digitized like every single tape he filmed from like nineteen 
1994 to 1998, you know? Crazy. So we have this database of old vintage footage. And so he's he's been doing some editing. We're going to start putting some more content out soon. And um, I have all all this product behind me in these boxes. I got all these t-shirts and hoodies. So I'm handling like the shipping, you know, uh, Reese is gonna, um, Reese is kind of like handling like the marketing communications with some of the upcoming projects we'll be doing over the next couple of years. Really just the whole brand is just sort of based around, you know, historical East Coast skating around the video that Dan made. And uh, we'll see where it goes. You know, we just wanted to do something fun. And um, I kind of wanted to dabble in business again. I had a skate shop from 2007 to 2012. It was called The Fountain of Youth. And, um, you know, we went out of business. We started right when the recession happened and it was a pretty challenging time to have a skate shop. So once the skate shop went under, I knew that I wanted to sort of have my hands in something creative. You know, when you're a salesman, it's, it's awesome. You get to talk to all the shop owners and talk about skateboarding and talk about the brand. And, it, you know, it's, it's a fun job to have, but from a creative standpoint, it's pretty, it's pretty limited. Mm-hmm. And um, so underachievers is kind of like a means of having like a creative outlet. And um, we'll see, you know, it'd be cool if it blew up a little bit. I don't know what I would do or how I'd have time if it blew up, but I would figure <laughs> it out, you know. Yeah. But we're going to be telling some, some good visual stories on Instagram. So um, let everybody know to keep an eye on the underachievers Instagram. We're just... We're just editing a bunch of different clips at the moment, and we're not going to really go live with any of them until we have a good stockpile so we can kind of keep them going. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the plan. Thank you. <clears throat> that's Hell awesome. Yeah. Looking forward to that. So you've also got the Element 30-year anniversary coming up. What do they got going on for you with that? Yeah, so they've been around for 30 years. This is their 30th year anniversary, and... um yeah, they just uh, asked me if they wanted, if, if it was cool if we redid this burly pant, which originally came out in 1999, I think around 99, 2000. And it's like this pant that I designed back then and um, designed it for skating. And and so, yeah, I just, I was cool with it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's re-release this, you know, and they, we talked about it. We had a few creative meetings and I told them, I was like, man, I want, I always wanted to do this pant in denim, but we never got a chance to, Sick. you know, I always wanted to maybe, you know, make some jackets and some flannels down the road or, you know, but maybe we could just make the pant, see where it goes. And then they ended up, you know, designing a hoodie and a t-shirt and a hat and, I think they're going to try to keep it in line for a little bit. Pretty, pretty rad. You know, I'm stoked on it. It's, you know, Element's been really good to me, you know, to, to transition, you know, as an athlete and uh, athlete. I hate that word. <laughs> Why do I say that? You are though, um, man. You are. But, you know, to transition and I really wanted to stay in the game. You know, my body was falling apart. I'm having children, you know, things are shifting for me. And what a blessing. I have this opportunity to to be a salesman for element and um and it, it's a killer job man it really is and there's a lot of core shops out there that are that are just doing so much for skating you know all these rad communities you know i get to talk to them i get to help them make money and uh you know it's just uh i appreciate it all i'm grateful for it and to have this collection i think is um you know their way or i'm just honored i don't know <laughs> 
For <laughs> sure. Up, it's dope. Now that you're on the sales side, though, is it going to be weird when you, you got to pitch your own collection now? Yeah, no doubt. It is. It is. It is funky. <laughs> I have some pretty good relationships, you know? I mean, I really... I just kind of put the collection in the shops that I wanted it to be in, you know? You know, I sell to a bunch of core shops, people that I, I've been talking to for a few years now. You know, the NJ skate shops, the KCDCs, just the, like a lot of, you know, high quality core skate shops that just live and breathe skateboarding, you know? So yeah. they're all friends and, and I've been to their communities and skated with them. I know the names of their children, that type of stuff, you know what I mean? So it, it does feel a little funny, but they're all happy for me, you know? So oh, yeah, for sure. It's pretty cool. So Donnie, you got the Element 30th anniversary stuff going down. The underachievers about to pop off. You busy every day at home, but what's next for Donnie Barley, man? Man, I don't know. My wife has been doing real estate and um dang, she I mean, she has these months where she's just she's rolling in this dough, you know? Um <laughs> we're not we're not wealthy, but you know, my wife and I, it's like, I've been like the breadwinner for years because our children were young and, you know, I was able to make consistent money. So it was, it was really convenient that she just was a stay at home mom. You know, we could raise our children in our home without having to put them in the care of other people. And then, but I always wanted her to have a career, you know, so she can kind of like really have, you know, that purpose. Mm -hmm. you know as a career woman and um and now she's got that and she's blowing up and fuck yeah she's making dough and i'm on the sidelines selling skateboards and uh <laughs> and it's it's super rad right like but i'm like damn like one phone call and she's you know she's making 15 to three grand 1500 to three grand for like one phone call and two emails you know <laughs> so and lately I'm like I'm like ready to go get my real estate license. Um, <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know, man. I, I would like to, you know, just advance in skateboarding. We do these events for Element all the time and I I find, you know, my sales position's cool, selling stuff's cool. If the product's dope, you don't really have to sell it, you know what I mean? But I like going on these like uh, trips where I'm doing an event for um a skate shop and you know we're skating with the locals we're at the local skate park i, I kind of wish that i could do that more that to me is the funnest part of doing my job is is getting out into the field and helping out these communities and and just seeing what it's like out there seeing who the local rippers are whatever seeing what what's working what's product what brands are selling i don't know I hope that in the future, uh, my job might shift a little outside of sales and maybe more toward like um, marketing and events, perhaps. But we'll see. You know, Sick. wicked. Yeah, that's definitely a fun avenue, man. Hell yeah, Donnie, killing it. You guys too. <laughs> Hell yeah, thanks, man. So we just want to throw in one more question before we hop over to rapid fire. Before the interview, you mentioned wanting to be fully transparent with your skate career and some of the stuff you've been through. You want to tell us a bit about your history with addiction and overcoming it? Good question. And perfect opportunity for me to share about something that nobody's sharing about. And um, it's definitely a big topic. 
something I've been wanting to share about for a while now. Um, I've been sober for almost eight years. And uh, a lot of people don't know that I had struggled with, you know, addiction, alcohol, opiates, you know, for many years. And it was really hard, man. You know, I knew it, I knew I needed to get help and it just took a while for me to to finally get the courage to to get help. I called a friend and then I ended up in a 12-step meeting and um started my my journey in this uh in these 12-step fellowships. There's a variety of them and I I went to several and um you know, I think for me uh, being out there and skating all these years, you know, it's like alcohol is like the norm, weed. And I used all those things and I used them excessively for years and years and years and uh, kind of stunted my own growth. And it just got really hard to grow out of that pattern and that mentality. And really at the end of the day, toward the end of my career, um, I discovered pain medication because I got hurt. And then I became like a full-blown closet opiate addict, you know, using pills and going to any length to get them on the street. Really, at the end of the day, I I just lost a friend this year, a young man who had just had a young son. He had just gotten married. Wow. Sorry to hear that, man. He skated for my skate shop. His name is Pete Chav, a young kid originally from San Diego, lived, lived in Providence and skated for my skate shop. And and he passed away. Yep. He uh he passed away. He was trying to get help and um and he overdosed and um pretty sure it was a fentanyl related incident and uh really just kind of speaking up right now, um, because you know, the pain of losing a young friend and knowing that this is happening in other communities all over the place. You know, it's just somebody needs to talk about it. It needs to kind of be brought up a little bit. You know, this fentanyl stuff is going around and uh, people don't even know that it's fentanyl. I just want everybody to know that, um, you know, it's possible to go out and get help. It's possible to change. These 12-step programs exist out there in church basements all over the globe. And uh, there's skateboarders that are professional just like me that are members of these groups and uh, we go to these meetings regularly and thrive in these meetings and grow and change in these meetings. Um, and we, we learn that we don't need to use. And uh, we learn that we can get through the day without using. You know, there's a solution. And I just hope that everybody that's listening to this can, uh, if you know somebody that's got a problem, you know, help them get help. You know, and if you're in denial, I hope that you... Uh, Hope that you take an honest look at your life and um, and get help. There's uh, we just we've we've lost we've lost some good people, and um, I just hope that we can we can take care of our own and um, that we don't have to lose any any young talented skaters um, or just anybody in general. Anyway, uh, I had to get that off my chest. Thank you so much for letting me vent and. Um, and I'm on Instagram, you know, if you need help, send me a DM. And there's meetings all over the place, and I'm an advocate for it. And, uh, and that's it. Thanks. Thank you, Donnie. Fuck, man. That's so gnarly. Sorry to hear about your friend. That's just terrible. And thanks for sharing, man. Thank you.
Yo, 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 it's Rapid Fire with the Ghost, and this week we're brought to you by our go-to trucks. That's Thunder, baby. They recently joined up with the crew at Frog Skateboards for a limited collab. Both Nick Michelle and Evan Wasser got their names on some signature trucks, and the mastermind behind Frog, Chris Millick himself, penned original artwork for the limited Thunder Apparel. Only the finest shops will be carrying it, so be sure to hit up your local Thunder dealer, Blue Tile 303, Black Hole, Menu, Tiki Room, Shreds, and Marriage are always stocked. If you know, you know. Thunder Trucks, man. The only grind. Alright, Donnie, it's that time. A little rapid fire with your boy. You ready? I'm ready. Favorite skater? Eric Dressen. Favorite video? Video days. Favorite video part? Gans video days. Favorite style? Chico Brenes. Which skater had the biggest influence on the way you skate? Wade Spare. Most talented skateboarder on planet Earth? Tom Penny. Favorite trick? Backside 180 kickflip. You got a real good one. Oh, thanks. Hardest trick for you? Nolly back heel. Most illegal trick? Benny Hanna. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite clip you've ever gotten? Probably the, the double barley grinds. Hell yeah. Gnarliest trick you've ever witnessed? I was standing right at that skate contest in, I think it was in Germany, and I saw Tom Penny hippie jumped the car and oh. his board went through the windows of the car oh and he landed gosh. on it and i i soiled myself <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy what's the one trick that got away i wanted to frontside 180 fakie 50 grind hubba hideout oh. and i never tried it i never tried it but i always i had that trick around that time and if I would have had a set of nuts, I would have tried it, and I never <laughs> did. And those days are gone, obviously, but I wish I would have stepped to that. Dang. What's the biggest bunt you've ever witnessed? Me trying inverts. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. What's the last new trick you learned? Probably switch Smith grinds. I don't know. Take the 180 out of it. It's a whole new shit. <laughs> yeah. Dream job after skating. I like teaching kids how to, to skate. I like I like doing, I do these skate lessons from time to time. I don't know if I would want that to be my full-time job, but it is It is a joy to, uh, to teach skating. I dig it. Hell yeah. Favorite local brand? My friend Midge has this brand right down the street. He's, he's my neighbor. He's like a block away, but he does this Rhode Island brand called 401k. And um, 401's like the Rhode Island area code. And he's got like a little print shop in his basement. So shout out to Midge and shout out to 401K. Hell yeah. Favorite local skater? My boy Midge. <laughs> What's the one sponsor you regret riding for? Man, that's hard, dude. Like, it's kind of easy for me because like that bald clothing company that I was telling you about was kind of like, you know. But I hate to say anything bad about him because, damn, I was on that airplane with Hasoy and all those guys. <laughs> Serious. 
But yeah, that was a little shocking back then. But you know, I was a, I wasn't gonna say no back then because I was, I was looking for anything that said F R E E. So <laughs> hell yeah, favorite teammate ever, Brian Anderson. Worst teammate ever, me. I was the worst teammate ever, dude. Trust me. Ask ask some people out there, and I was I was a handful. Damn. I was always late to get in the tour van. I always had everybody waiting. Oh, no. One of those guys. Oh, man. <laughs> yep. Worst company. I don't know. Maybe one of those, like, shoe companies that started up for a half hour. <laughs> Worst trend. I remember when everybody was wearing the, um, the skin-tight pants. You know, I don't know. I was, like, in, you know, we were, we were you know, the 90s kids with the 90s hip-hop and the, um... And the baggy pants, that was dope. And then when everything got really slim, I remember being a total hater on that. Um, I'll admit it. But I know that a lot of people, like they influenced a lot of a, a whole generation, you know? Mm -hmm. It just wasn't my thing. I just didn't really wanna, I sort of like preferred to see people skating where their body wasn't so seen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. shit. I mean, we had some tighter pants back in the day, but we never dabbled in, like, the spray-on jeans. Yeah. I thought it took away from, like, the flowy style sometimes. Just That's yeah. just me. Yeah. It's going to sure. come back, man. I'm telling you. The only person that I ever can think that I actually, like, still enjoyed their skating was Reynolds. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, like, all of the Baker guys were still pretty... Like, I could handle it. Like, Alan yeah. Tannen. Like yeah, that. true. Wait, I'm a big Greco fan too. I love Greco. Yeah. You know, yeah, phenomenal skater. Worst style. All right, well, let's say Nate Dean. No, <laughs> let's call. I didn't mean to do that to him. We'll, oh, we'll make it. We'll make him laugh. He's gonna be driving <laughs> his truck hearing this, and he's gonna shout out to Nate Dean. Oh yeah, <laughs> damn Nate, he did you dirty, man. I fucking <laughs> set him up. Sorry, Nate. <laughs> Last person you want on the sesh. Well, you guys are familiar with PJ Ladd, right? Oh, PJ, good God. PJ Ladd is so talented that ever since the first day I met him, practically every time we skate together, I spend 90% of the time in envy <laughs> because my man can just do it all. It really is fun to skate with them, though. Couldn't have described any better what it feels like to skate with the Smith, Morgan Smith. All right. Unfortunately, this brings our interview with Donnie to an end, man. Can't thank you enough for, for coming on the show. It's been a privilege. Yeah, dude. Thanks so much. Uh, shout out to Canada, Toronto. Yeah. Much love to all you skaters up there. Thank you. Hell yeah. Thank you. And, and shout out to your boy, Nate. And uh, don't forget yeah. to plug the freezer back in. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Nate. Had to do you dirty, dude. <laughs> Love you, Nate. <laughs>
Who we got up first? First up, we got an email from Peter Graves. Can we agree one of the worst trends is to jump in the water after a trick? It seems like after every part that came out in the past years have some form of this. Shit's overplayed, considered it illegal. You dig? Uh, I'm gonna have to go ahead and disagree. It doesn't bother me. And uh, having been in my fair share of battles, I can tell you that sometimes jumping in a pool of water is exactly what you would want to do. I've never done it, but definitely ain't hating on it. Yeah, definitely not hating on it. And I can think of a couple notable ones, obviously. Alexi pulling the fish out of the water. But something a little bit closer to home at uh, Canada Water in London when the good homie Windsor Tom jumped into the water after frontside flipping the set, came out with some seaweed on his head. Uh, That shit was just all time, man. That was fucking disgusting. It was like (laughs) rats running around all over the place. Saw a fox on that sesh. It just dove in head first, man. That was so gross. Uh, a doper one was Dom Henry. He did his switch wall ride down the like eight stair. I can't remember how many stairs. And then uh, he fucking jumped in the water too. That was fucking G. Covers, baby. All right, next up, we've got an email from Scott Cardigainer. Let's take a listen. Hey guys, Cousin Lucretius here. Um, I have a question. You ever been watching a video part and you're like, wow, this is really terrific. And then the ender happens and you're like, what the fuck? Whenever I watch Justin Strubing's part and that's life, I'm always like, wow, this is so fantastic. But then he does the nollie back 180 and then he turns around. Am I missing something? You're so cute when you're frustrated. I'm just wondering, did you have any video parts that are like that for you? Okay, Cousin Lucretius out. What the hell happened there? <laughs> oh. Eddie Strubing 5 0 that kink rail in that part. That was incredible. Shout out to a legend. Obviously, we know we're not big fans of pivots or turning around in lines. Um, if you're going to nollie back 180, you probably could have just done a nollie. Um, I can't think of one off the top of my head. You got one? Well, I remember Kenny Reed did that too. Three flip into the bank and jumped off. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. And I think that was his ender, actually. So Definitely could have rode down a lot more. Yeah. Thanks for the voice note. All right, next up, we got an email from Marku Perkele. Do you fuck with ketchup chips? Seems like an oddity everywhere else, everywhere else than in Canada. If so, favorite ones. Old Dutch goes. SLP for life still. Uh, ketchup chips I only eat when I'm desperate You don't like them? Not really I'm Never a go-to Like if they're at a party And they're laying around and I'm hungry And that's like the only option I'll dabble Yeah, definitely not first choice But I definitely do enjoy ketchup chips You know what? I don't like chips that leave shit all over your hands Like I don't like those ones that have so much shit on them That if you're eating a bunch That your fingers are just covered so all um, Doritos are right off for you? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, except like Cool Ranch is not that bad. What's your go-to chip then? Uh, usually some kettle cooked barbecue things. Maybe, you know what I'm saying? Miss Vicky's. Uh, honestly, I love Ringlos, man. Probably not a <laughs> chip, but fuck it. All right, next up, we've got an email from Brendan 
Kalan. Hey guys, big fan of the pod. This season is an absolute barn burner already. I'm always excited to hear some big shots in the rapid fire. It makes my week to hear Rip and Dip get destroyed almost every time. That said, let's hear some shots. My question is, which guest had the most lethal rapid fire that left you shook? And which previous guest is the last one y'all want on the sesh? Thanks for doing it right every week, you dig? Um, most lethal rapid fire. I'm gonna go with Elijah Burrow at our live show, House oh, of Bands, yeah. Toronto, years ago. The man, them channeled his inner WWF superstar and just took over the show. To be honest with you, so shout out to Elijah. And last person I want on the sesh. Um, shit, maybe I'll just go with Daryl Angel or Johan Stucky for obvious reasons. Damn. Um, best rapid fire that comes to mind. I'll go with Mitch Barrett just because it was some hilarious, friendly fire at the time between some homies. He said last person he wanted on the sesh was Ty James. <laughs> oh. But I think they lived together at the time and just had some roommate beef that spilled over into the interview. Uh, they're, <laughs> they still love each other and everything's squashed, but that was just really funny at the time. And then last person on the sesh. I don't know. You you took two good ones, I guess. For... Fuck, wait. Let me think of something. Ghost is clamming up. <laughs> uh, let me go with Sinner, just because I'm not trying to get in a headlock, you dig? <laughs> All right. Next up, we got a voice note from Eduardo Flores. Bum boys. What up, what up? It's your boy, Eddie. Checking in straight from Southern California, Orange County. I here at work, fucking doing what I gotta do, blue collar shit. Yo, I got a quick question for you guys, man. Two questions, actually. My first question, skate question. Who do you feel like is really gonna pop out this year or at the end of this year to really try to push for that Sodi? Me personally, it's Louis. Louis Lopez has fucking been killing it all year. All his parts have been really, really good. I love Louis. I love his style. I think he's just a... He's like the people's champ, you know? People love him. And I think he doesn't get enough credit where he should. And my second question... Shit, man. NFL going heavy, going strong. My Eagles are 4-0. Can't believe it. I'm talking shit right now, even though we got a game this Sunday. I don't give a fuck. We'll probably go 5-0. But uh, my quick question to you guys... How far do you think Jalen Hurts could go this year? Now he's got receivers. He's got a pretty good defense. Offensive line hasn't looked too bad. It's, been, it's looking better than most seasons. So, yeah, give me you guys' a point of view and see what's up, man. Love you, fools. Peace. All right, real quick. Who you got for Sodi? Who do you think is going to make that last-minute push? Bro, I think I'm right in line with everything that we just heard. Eduardo, you're on P. I think Louis Lopez is going to drop one more barn burner of a part on the people and lock it down. And then the Eagles, bro, they can they can go to the NFC Championship. for like I think if they make it there, they should be happy. And then I wouldn't even rule out the Super Bowl, though. But they got to make it to the NFC Championship, man. Let's keep this shit rolling. Let's go, Hurts. Definitely agree with the Philadelphia Eagles, but as we know, things can change real quick in the NFL, but right now, definitely looking like Super Bowl contenders, man. As far as Sodi goes, 
Um, I think we're going to have a couple guys drop some parts. I think Tyshawn's got something waiting for us. I think Aishad might have something waiting for us. But yeah, Louis Lopez, man, you cannot argue with that. Definitely doesn't get enough respect. All right, next up, we've got a voice note from Jamal Jones. <laughs> what up, bunt boys? It's your man's Jay Jones in the post office. So, my question, you've all probably seen Nick Bosserio versus security guard in the new Polar video on that opening clip of the vid. So my question is, who is in the most wrong? Should Nick just have come back later? Should the security guard just have not taken his job so seriously, even though it's his job that pays man's money that he might have gotten in trouble for later? Who knows? My question is, what do you think? Tough to say who's in the wrong. We've all been in that position where, you know, you're trying to trick that is definitely scary and you finally get yourself to go for it and security comes and you kind of just want one more try to get it done and get it over with so you don't have to come back. So I feel Nick's position, but you also got to feel for the security guard. The last thing the security guard wants to do is argue with the skateboarder at the back of the building on a fucking loading dock. Like, So I definitely see both points of view. It's just uh, something that is going to happen forever. Security guards and skaters clashing, man. And I don't think there's a right or a wrong position here for either of them. Real shit, real shit. <clears throat> Nick's a fucking G though We'll uh, just leave that there too yes, um, Alright next up we got an email From Kai Slough I'll keep it short and sweet for you guys What do you find to be the meaning of life Whether it be for yourself Or just in general Would love to hear a response from the both of you And ants as well And as always keep killing it fellas Thanks Kai Why you gotta get so deep man Yeah um, the meaning of life is so tough because I don't know what the fuck the meaning of life is but how do I want to live my life maybe I'll answer that because I don't know what the meaning of life is uh, I want to have fun and be around the people I love as much as possible my friends, my family uh, girlfriend and uh, treat Treat, try and treat everyone the way I'd like to be treated. Uh, I'm not perfect, but fucking that's it for me, man. That was beautiful. Um, <laughs> meaning of life, man. Like Safer said, spend as much time with your family and friends as you can. Wake up every day, try to be happy and continue to grow. You know what it is. Real shit, man. Ants, ants get fucking philosophical on us. Is that a word? It is now. <laughs> Philosophical, my bad. Shit, man. The meaning of life? Fuck, I can't lie. I mean, I've thought about this one a lot, you know, and, and you know, talked with, you know, like, all my friends and family. And when you when you get down to it, it's, it's kind of tough to really put it down to, like, you know, one thing. But it, it just keems, it seems to be, like, for me at least, you know, like, it just usually always revolves around like one thing uh basically just these nuts <laughs> well said ants <laughs> uh. all right next up we've got an email from jump box 
More dishwashing stories, please. I think he's referring to the dishwashing story I told a couple episodes ago. Funny enough, like, I don't have many dishwashing stories, but me and Saifa both did coat check at the same same building. <laughs> and I, uh, I didn't get to do coat check much. I think I did it twice for obvious reasons. I fucked it up so good one time. There was a wedding at the museum. And they give you like the tickets, obviously. So you keep one ticket, put it on the jacket, and then the person gets the other ticket, right? So mm-hmm. all the people come into the wedding, drop their coats off, whatever. I give out the tickets. And then like you have hours before people need their jacket again, right? So I think I was yeah. chilling. I think I went outside and smoked a blunt by myself. I was fucking playing PSP. I was probably snoozing for a bit. Lo and behold, the people come back and I forgot to put the tickets on the jackets. I just gave them the ticket and had the other tickets just oh sitting there. Oh my God. So I literally had the whole jackets up the whole night. It was probably oh the no. emptiest the tip jar had ever been at the Gardner <laughs> Museum. <laughs> Yo. Fucking Yo. clown, man. You, that's like, yeah, that's horrible. I feel, I can feel your pain and the embarrassment. Every person felt. at the fucking wedding, man. Bro, I can't remember our boss's name, but I remember one time, like, he loved me. And then one time I came up and told him uh, how much I made in tips that night. And he actually got shook because he was like, what? You made more than, like, the servers tonight. Like, And then I remember they fucking, I think they tried to take away the tip jar after that. They I did. So you had to pissed. bring your own. Remember? Yeah. Bro, that shit was fucked, man. Pull up with the fucking <clears throat> Raking Tupperware. Raking too much dough. Bro, that... That era was still talties. Like I could just imagine what these like people are thinking coming in for a fancy dinner, and I'm just there in like the baggiest pants and biggest fucking button up I could find. <laughs> just reading sure hanging out books. the bottom. Man, that was before cell phones were popping too. Like, I actually had to bring. Uh, Aiden would always lend me graphic novels to nerd out on. Dude, <clears throat> absolute mess, man. And the other time I did coat check. I did it proper. Everything went smooth. Probably made like three bills and tips. Let's go. And then I called you guys or whatever. I knew everyone was going to watch the the premiere of 300 at the Scotiabank Theater downtown. And this was back in the day where I would literally just park my car wherever and just take any parking ticket ever. Park yeah. the car right out front of the Scotiabank Theater. Oh my God. <laughs> so <laughs> stupid. Get out. Obviously, the car's gone. I have to take a wow. cab to the tow truck spot. Get to the tow truck spot, and they're like, yeah, it's like 200 and something dollars. And I just handed them the Ziploc bag of all the change I got in tips <laughs> from the coat check. So I was pretty boss to do that, but it actually hurt me so much to give away that 200 something. Oh, yeah. coat check. That, I, that's like, that's inexcusable man you blew it both times so hard in your co-check stories that's why i never got to go back like (laughs) obviously the like messing the coats up was the second time and they were like yeah we are absolutely done with this kid put him back in the dish pit tried to promote (laughs) me to co-check and then immediately took it back oh fuck thanks for uh good times for bringing those stories back all right next up we got an email from adam Oh, uh, Warzinzak. Warzinzak. Fuck. 
definitely butchered that. If you ever leave us a voice note, correct me on the pronunciation. But it's wars in check, sh- man. Come on. <laughs> okay. Hit it with Anyways, confidence. Sh- shout out to Adam. Hey, homies. Big fan of the pod. Here's my question. If you had to pick, which of the following would you choose as a guest on your podcast? Aaron Cairo, Burberry Airy, John Hill, or Mickey Papa? Cheers from the Burling Skate Shop in Ottawa. Mm. Mm. I'd go with Mickey Papa. I don't really know anything about the other guys. I don't even know who John Hill is. Um, I think the people would probably be entertained by Mickey coming on. And I think I've said it before. I, I don't hate Mickey. He just pissed me off back in the day and it turned into a whole thing on here like an ongoing joke but like i really don't hate him and uh it actually probably be an interesting interview because he said we're just so different than him you know yeah i guess mickey pop oh fuck definitely not gonna be the other three guys (laughs) we'll skip that episode (laughs) all right next up we've got an email from brayden rab yo what up bunt How do y'all feel about your Blue Jays getting absolutely bodied by the Mariners in the wild card? As a lifelong Seattle fan, it was pretty satisfying. Love the pod. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Obviously, it wasn't satisfying for us, you know, those Jays fans over here. um, Made Luis Castillo look like the second coming of Nolan Ryan in game one, which is absolute fucking travesty. Four runs and they fucking gave up. And then blowing an 8-1 lead in the second game. Just as bad, uh, Springer and Bichette trying to do too much, collide, three runs come in, should have been one. The game just got out of hand, pulled their fucking starting pitcher too early and Kevin Gosman. Uh, just a whole lot went wrong and then, yeah, you guys moved on, but enjoy it while you can because the Houston Astros are coming, bro. Yo, that game, <laughs> that game was, I felt bad. It was Phil's birthday and we're like, watching it uh at the house and i think what were the jays up 8-1 yeah yeah they're up 8-1 phil's losing it on the couch but we had to go we went to play golf for his birthday at the club and like he was feeling so nice driving over and shit then i can't remember what hole we're on and they fucking officially got dusted and he was just checking on his phone he was so bummed. I, I, I thought like he was gonna get a nice win on his birthday. <laughs> it was fucked. But it was just such classic Toronto playoff loss, like action yeah. right there. Um, yeah. At least we won the NBA championship. Yeah. Can't take go. that from us. Let's go. Kawhi, come home, man. Come on. <laughs> All right. Last up for this week. We've got a shit ton backed up, and we will get to them, but Clay Tanker, yo fellas, been laid up in bed from surgery this past week, and out of straight boredom, started watching Zero's Painkiller Rough Cuts on YouTube. Uh, I don't know what the fuck I was thinking in the first place, but there was five minutes in, I swear, every single clip, there's a dog barking in the background, and it made me want to blow out all my stitches and rage. Whoever's dog that is need to go home ASAP. 
last person I want on this sesh all day. Y'all have experience with annoying dog owners while out skating. I love dogs, but hate nothing more than a skater whose dog is at the session and it won't stop barking, or worse yet, trying to snap at your feet while you're skating. Love the pod, over and out. Stew. Haven't watched the rough cuts, but I can definitely feel your pain. That would be extremely frustrating. We don't really have any homies that bring their dogs on the sesh, do we? Ah, uh, Mainzer. That big, vicious oh. thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our boy, Mike Mains, T-Dot legend. He brings his chihuahua on the sesh, but it makes zero noise. And, like, if you're sitting down, he's just so nice to have on your lap. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no. We can't we can't relate to that one. Sorry, broski. Shout out Piper, Lil Piper. <laughs> Legend. All right, y'all. That's gonna wrap up the post office for this week. Get your emails and voice notes into the bunt live at gmail.com. We will answer every last one of them for you. This is the rundown, the skateboard world source for sports, brought to you by the one and only. Steam Whistle, Canada's premium pilsner. The only buzz. You know exactly where we're starting this week's episode. The undefeated Philadelphia Eagles versus the Dallas Cowboys. It looks as though the gold rush is over, baby. Is it time to go back to Dak immediately? (laughs) Was that ever a question? I know crazy people like Jerry Jones were talking about a QB controversy weeks ago. He was managing the game. He did it great. You know, he did exactly what you hope your backup QB is going to do. Maybe a little more because no one thought they were way more. What are you a little? Sorry. Sorry. A lot more. Everyone thought the season was over, myself included. So uh, props to him. Maybe give him a raise next time his contract negotiation comes up. But it's Dak Prescott time, man. Let's fucking go, CD Lamb. It's definitely Dak Prescott time. And this is one of the games where Zeke actually didn't have too bad of a game. Him and Pollard were going toe-to-toe, but they definitely missed having Dak, especially early on in the game. It looked like Philadelphia's defense was way too much, or, yeah, it looked like Philadelphia's defense was way too much for Cooper Rush to handle, and these are going to be the top two teams in that division, it looks like. I mean, the Giants are there, but I like these two squads, and I can't wait to see them go at it again with Dak at the helm. Yeah, I'm excited to see that team full strength, man. And, and um, when Tyron Smith comes back too, uh, it's nice. Gallup will be back because he was out when Dak, like he was out week one. So Dak didn't have his full complement of weapons. Dalton Schultz will probably be back next week. Um, excited for the Cowboys. And I've become a Cowboys fan this year just because I look forward to Michael Irvin on Monday mornings, man. Absolutely. The best part about Michael is, you know, he, he stays smiling though. He's uh, he's seen it all. He's like a hardened Maple Leaf fan, man. <laughs> a little week six loss ain't going to stress him out. But I feel like these big games are where we're really going to see them miss Amari Cooper. Looking back on that trade, it was obviously for financial reasons, but damn, they gave Amari Cooper away for nothing. And in these big spots, you're going to need a guy like that. Yeah, we'll see. I'm still like hoping CD can be that guy for obvious reasons. Have him but on you two need two teams. of that no, guy. I, I know, I know, I know. But like week one was just fucked. Like Tampa's D, that was just an ugly ass game. Tampa's D was 
down their throats. Um, I feel like it's going to be a, a completely new look Dallas offense, man. High powered. Let's go. I hope so because I've actually become a fan as well. Moving right along, in true New England Patriots fashion, it's not the starter getting the job done, but the backup coming in. Bailey Zappy, for those hating on how I fucked up his name the first time, you know, takes, takes a couple wins in the NFL to get your name pronounced correctly here at the Bunt. But <laughs> Bailey Zappy getting it done. Kind of shocking, but I guess I shouldn't be surprised. They're uh, an excellent franchise at keeping their backups prepped and ready to go. Um, maybe it was, I mean, you never want to see injuries, but we know what Brian Hoyer is and what he isn't. And maybe it was a blessing in disguise, and maybe there will be a QB controversy. Who knows? But Mac Jones should be back next week. But uh, interesting decision for Bill coming up. He almost got it done against Green Bay. He laid a fucking whooping on Detroit, mind you, mostly Ramondre Stevenson. But against Cleveland, at home, the man Zappy showed out, baby. 309 yards passing and two TDs. Woo! Bill Belichick may have found his man because Mac Jones ain't throwing for that, man. Remember, last year they played a game without letting Mac Jones throw one pass. <laughs> Is there yeah, any man. more disrespect I... you can do to a quarter? Mitch Trubisky gets to throw more than Mac Jones did that okay, game. Okay, let's not pretend that, that was the weather conditions weren't fucked and they won the game. That one was like... pass. Dude, isn't it crazy to think back that that was Josh Allen on the other side? How the hell did they lose that game at home? Yeah, like you said, weather conditions, man. Let's get back to that. Wet weather had to be the weather condition. Just very quickly, everybody was worried about Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. And uh, the real duo in Cincinnati showed up in New Orleans on the weekend, man. Have they uh, righted the ship? And is this what we're going to see from now on? I hope so, man. That was one of the teams I was super high on coming into the season. I thought... You know, all the talk about a better O-line, you know, another year for Jamar Chase, you know, after that crazy rookie season, Higgins, like just more uh, continuity. And they just got off to the rockiest, you know, classic Super Bowl hangover start. Uh, I hope they start to put it together because uh, they've got a lot of fun players on that team man. rooting for them for sure. Absolutely, man. And. The encouraging part is they did it against a good defense there in New Orleans. A topic you wanted to talk about. I had this man as my MVP and things were looking mighty fine after week one. A little shaky after week two. Back on track after week three. And this man is just alternating wins and losses. Lamar Jackson turned down a fat contract looking to break the bank. But uh, you have some choice words for the man. Well, I want him to get paid. I want him to do well. Like I just, I just like him as a dude, and uh, it's just bumming me out, man. Because two of those losses are like on him completely. Like that whole fumble situation against the Giants. I was like, all right, this is their get right game. It's over. There's no way they're gonna fucking lose to the Giants. They had it in the bag, and then he forced that. You, you saw that last play. Like, he forced that so hard, uh, threw it into the middle of the field, picked, and then Saquon takes the Giants home for a fraudulent 5-1, and one, but I'll give them their props, whatever. 
but man like the year you choose to bet on yourself to have three losses that you really should have won like they should be six and oh and i know it's sports and nothing goes to plan but fucking come on man they got to turn it around soon and, and start winning these close games we're talking about six picks in six games Holy. add another three fumbles on there not the best start for lamar jackson but honestly it is this is the game that the coaching staff in baltimore loves to play high risk high reward they don't kick fucking field goals even though they got the best kicker in the fucking league always going forward on fourth down Honestly, they're getting a little bit of humble soup right now. Doing the exact opposite of what they're doing over there for the New York Giants. They got a hell of a coach, man, and he's getting the job done. Yeah, fuck, man. They're playing mistake-free football for the most part. And with mans like Daniel Jones, where you can't put the team on his shoulders, that's all you can hope for, right? Like, It's actually crazy to see a running back have this much impact week in week out man uh really happy for saquon fucking killing it this guy said put the team on his back that man can barely carry a backpack <laughs> daniel jones ain't getting it done but what's even worse aaron Rodgers. we always oh talk about God. the sharp decline of quarterbacks we're seeing it a little bit in Aaron. or we're seeing it in tom brady and aaron Rodgers right now if you had to pick one team to beat the New York Jets and you had to take Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers with their current rosters who are you going with wow after can this you week, imagine this conversation the New York <laughs> football Jets with my man Brees Hall I mean we just saw the Jets smoke the Packers so obviously I'm not going to run that back I'd, I guess I'll take my shot with Brady who just lost to fucking Trubisky and Pickett, and this is crazy. What's going? What year is this? Oh wait, yeah, they are old farts. It's 2022. Oh my God, who out of those two teams, if you had to pick, is gonna make the playoffs right now? Shit, I'm. I think I'd still go with Tampa, just because he's still got his weapons. Fournette's still there. Just their O line, just letting him get killed which at 45 yeah i'm sure he's not thrilled about as we saw him spitting all over his o-line <laughs> on the sidelines the lack of weapons and just the game plan in green bay just does not seem to be working at all i still can see tampa kind of figuring it out as the season goes more so than green bay because at least he has the weapons he's got the defense just a very very underwhelming performance for the most Yo, part green by Bay's Tom Brady. defense was supposed to be fucking elite that's what's the most shocking maybe out of everything going on there actually no yeah, start the quarterback the quarterback plays more shocking but still I, yeah <clears throat> honestly you can only blame it on the receivers so much like their receivers that are in the nfl they got there somehow they've made a few catches on their way to the nfl like make it work maybe you should get a fucking better haircut aaron Rodgers. <laughs> show some goddamn emotion at least on brady's into the fucking game every time you look at Aaron Rodgers, he makes you want to feel sorry for him. It's absolutely pathetic. Um, <laughs> we had someone slide into our DMs and absolutely remind us the Philadelphia Eagles are 6-0. And while doing so, 
they wanted to, you know, kick some dirt on your man, Kirk Cousins, who might have the quietest 5-1 record I've ever heard of. The Minnesota Vikings just getting the job done. They're not looking for the fame. They're not looking for the flashing lights. But Kirk, Justin Jefferson, and co., they're getting the job done, man. Do you still predict they will make the Super Bowl? Holy crap. I don't know about that anymore. They're barely winning against dusty teams. And you're right. It is the quietest 5-1. and Because the Giants is just a little bit louder because it's more surprising. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, you look at the standings and you're like, wait, what? Captain Kirk, you see him struggling against all these teams, barely getting by the Lions. And you, you assume they're probably 3-3 three and three or something. And then, nah, he keeps getting it done at the end of games. They're winning by field goals here, field goals there. Uh, Captain Kirk, man, keep doing your thing on the low. And maybe uh, you just make fucking me and Michael Irvin look like geniuses. MVP and going to the Super Bowl. But I'm kind of off that now. <laughs> Quick word on Bills versus Chiefs. Josh Allen gets his win in Kansas City. Much needed. Yeah, they the Bills needed that one more than the Chiefs for their mental. You could see how hyped they were. Josh Allen losing it on the sideline. Their whole team was like, we got the monkey off our back. And uh, I, I'm just excited. Do they have another rematch in the regular season? Or do we got to wait for the fireworks in the playoffs again? Let's double check. Oh, that's it. That's it? Well, it's must-see TV, so fingers crossed we get that again in the playoffs, man. Mahomes, my guy, Kelsey. I wish he fucking doesn't need to be Tyreek, but I, I just wish he had one, like, super reliable wide receiver, man. It can't all be up to Kelsey. Like, Juju's fluky-ass 40-yard touchdown, like, that's not going to cut it every week. Absolutely not. And that's why I think the Bills will be unstoppable, especially when they get to the playoffs. Because this time, it's going down in Buffalo, baby. We ain't going to fucking KC. Donald, you just got me thinking of Kirk Cousins again in the Bills. When are we going to Buffalo again, dog? For some real fireworks. Captain Kirk against that Buffalo D. I'm scared to watch it in person. My boy might be getting <laughs> sacked all day, but I cannot wait for that one. November 13th, 1 p.m. The bunt's going to be in the building. Bills Mafia. If you know us, come haul at us. We're going to be up top. Probably the highest row they got there, man. But, but we oh, in the shit. building. If any skaters are pulling up to that, for sure, send us a DM. We'll meet y'all at the tailgate bright and early, getting a fucking buzz on you. Get me. Yes, sir. All right, y'all. Catch you next week. Peace.